hairs on my body started standing on end. Silent. Nothing there. I fought to get back into my body. You are going to be a vital importance of helping us convince the masses. Type 471. Type 471. Bridge to the other world. Bridge to the other world. Welcome to Type 471. I'm Sam Kitchen. My guest today is Matthew. Now, this is a guy who has had all kinds of experiences across any number of, of phenomena, and I'm very anxious to speak with him today. I haven't heard all about it myself, but uh, I've spoken with him enough to know that there is a, a lot to get into, and it's, it's really interesting stuff, so I'm anxious to speak with Matthew today. Matthew, welcome to Type 471. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Nice. So uh, you, you kind of grew up all over the place, and you lived in the mountains. I'd like to hear a little bit about that, please. Um, I guess the first bit of the mountains would be foothill area would be back in starting going back to 1980 in Redding, California. We lived out Highway 299, way south or way, I'm sorry, way east of town. Uh, that area, unfortunately, has since, due to a lot of the wildfires that we've had in Northern California, the home that I actually spent several years living in as a child is no longer there. No, uh, yeah. So, but that whole area out, which would still be kind of west of Whiskey Town Lake, but definitely a good deal east of town, it starts getting pretty foothilly out there. Uh, that started getting into the mountain living area. From there, as life just goes on and on and on, I've uh, lived in places, Paradise, uh, California. I've lived up in Forest Ranch, California, a couple of different times. Lived in Paradise, California, a couple of different times. Spent a lot of time up around Butte Meadows and in Alaskan National Forest. And currently now I'm living in Weed, California. Right. Okay. Yeah. I actually lost my home in the campfire in paradise. Um, so, Oh man. Yeah. I, I, sorry, to, sorry to hear that. I had a lot of family up there, uh, for years, the Halvig, the Halvig family up there lost just about everything up there. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, I, but I, I totally feel you. I, I feel your experience and what's going on. I'm sorry for your family. Yeah. Likewise with you. Thank you very much. Yeah, my family, my, you know, my mom and my sisters, we all lost stuff. We all lost our, well, my mom and I lost our homes and my, my sisters weren't there, fortunately, but we all lost a lot of stuff in, in the fire. So not a, no. wasn't, wasn't a good time at all. No, no. So, uh, you, uh, you're a truck driver now and, and you've, yeah. you've seen a lot of stuff from what I gather. Yeah. I, you know, I, I wouldn't even think in a million years that I would have seen the stuff on the road, just like in freaking broad daylight driving down the road. But the last six and a half years being a commercial truck driver. Yeah. There's some pretty interesting stuff out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is. I've, I've seen some of it myself. It sounds like you've seen a lot more of it though, but I, you know, I know enough to know that there's so much to reality that we just do not know anything about. So 
I can't believe how much we've just all been lied to for so many years. If there's not any monetary gain for keeping all this stuff a secret, then what's the point? Right. You know, it's like the government's starting to release information now about uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon. They don't want to call them aliens or anything like that, which for good reason, because they don't know. So, but still, there's a lot of stuff out there that they may or may not be able to explain. There's a lot of things out in the forests that people may or may not be able to explain. You know, and for me, it's just all more of a reckoning of truth and understanding and really safety for people that have a really active outdoor lifestyle. I don't think these people need to be lied to anymore. I think that they need to be able to wholeheartedly share this planet with other beings out there. I think the mentality of, oh, well, the forest belongs to all the animals and this, this, the urban jungle belongs to the humans. No, this is a planet that we all need to coexist on together. Yeah. Yeah, I very much agree with you on those things. Yeah, I, I really appreciate where you're coming from on that. Uh, so let's, to the best we can, let's just start at the beginning and, and just start going through everything that you've experienced. Okay. My first experience uh, was probably one of the more significant ones. Uh, it happened... Um, southeast of whiskey town lake so if you go east of whiskey town lake to the car powerhouse which is all the way at the east end of the lake where the inlet is hang a left go around the side around the back side of the car powerhouse and i want to say you know this has been 1992 that this happened so you go back about two and a half to three miles and as i remember now i've been back since and 99% of the roads that I used to be able to drive on as a kid back then, they all now have these gates that block them off that say closed off due to park management for public safety. Well, what is that public safety? Anyways, we'll get to that. So we're back there. This is 1992. There's probably, I'm going to say about between 12 and 16 18, 19, 20-year-olds back there. We're not really drinking very much. Uh, we're not really doing anything. You know, this was back when, when country music really had a movement and, you know, there's a bunch of redneck kids out hanging out in the mountains. So you go about two and a half to three miles back. There's a, a crescent-shaped shale, uh, kind of an embankment that is, uh, I want to say it is a north-facing. So if you were standing at this crescent shale embankment, you'd be facing to the north. We've got a big campfire going on there. We've got vehicles kind of parked in a circle around this thing at a, at a greater, I would say, maybe about 100-foot diameter around this campfire. Got a couple of stereos playing with the same radio station on, but one stereo over here and one over here, so we kind of have the surround sound going on. You know, we're not being quiet by any stretch. And, you know, we've been there for a couple, maybe two hours, and all of a sudden, we hear what sounded like a branch but it, if it was a branch it was the biggest bad gum branch you ever heard in your life now that i have gone up there and seen a lot of these tree breaks in this area this thing sounded like about a 10 inch diameter sugar pine tree just getting snapped in half so we're standing there we're all talking and all of a sudden we hear this snap bang boom and then we heard this roar that sounded like the biggest lion 
that you've ever heard in your life. Now, back then, I didn't have the knowledge of the cougars and mountain lions that we have here in Northern California. Now that I know what I know, I know that these large cats do not have the vocal ability to roar. They have the vocal ability to kind of make like this loud, you know, if you've ever heard a mountain lion at night up in the woods, it kind of sounds like an old woman getting pinched real hard. Like they make like this kind of a sound, you know? Right. But to roar, they cannot do. And I held this with me for years and years thinking, God, man, that was the biggest damn cat you ever heard in your life. So after this thing broke what we what we're gonna call broke this branch and then roared at us, it then proceeded to run through some of the most densely forested area in that area at a speed that sounded like a freight train going 65 miles an hour through thick, thick timbers. And then it went about 500 yards and then just nothing, nothing. And I remember when that thing made the snap and the roar, pardon how I'm going to say this, but at the time I had a 357 Magnum. I'm not an idiot. When I go up into the mountains, I know that there's stuff out there and I know I'm not, not the biggest thing on the food chain. And when that thing made that sound, I shot, I dumped the whole cylinder, six shots up, up the hillside and yelled, what the fuck? And as soon as I did that, that thing took off like crazy. I turned around and looked at everybody else standing there and everybody was absolutely terrified. And it was an absolute freaking mass exodus of people leaving that bonfire and nobody ever went back again. Wow. So that was the first one. The second one happened within, I want to say, six months of that. And I think originally in our correspondence back and forth, I said it may have been in the same area. That was not correct. The second one happened up near the Balmers Delta exit up I-5 getting into Lakehead. And we had gone out there, and I'd been out deer hunting out there for several years with with friends dads and stuff like that and the only weird things that we had ever come across out there was a herd of wild horses that was out there and dude if you're out hunting deer and all you're looking for is deer and all of a sudden you're glassing across the hillside and you see some way bigger than any freaking deer you see you glass it you start really your mind starts playing tricks on you until you eventually figure out that it is a horse. And then you're like, holy shit, shame. Go get your dad, you know, blah, blah, blah. Look at these, these are these wild horses out here. So I know what it's like to see things out in the woods and to still be able to sit there long enough to stick it out until I find out what it is. I'm not going to just see something and then turn tail and run off and, and speculate on what it was. Call it stupidity, but I'll stay there and hang out long enough to find out what it is. I'm just curious enough. Right. Yeah. I, I hear you on that. And I, I am, you know, I am a kindred spirit in that regard. Uh, actually, that, that kind of reminded me. I had a, a, a similar, not the same, but a, a similar kind of experience just last night. I was, um, I was in, a, in a spot of mine. 
uh, with some mm-hmm. with, with some fellow researchers, and uh, I was looking through the thermal imager, and, and I caught a hot figure behind a tree, and it looked like it was peeking out from behind the tree. And, uh, yeah. and, and I got all excited for just like half a second. And then, and then the figure stepped out from behind the tree and it was a deer. But, but to me, yeah. like just for a minute, it, it looked like it might be a humanoid, uh, just kind of peeking out from behind the tree. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And I could, I, I totally concur with that wholeheartedly. You get that complete just excitement and that buzz and that those butterflies of like, Oh, I swear to God, man, if I ever see one of these things again, I just want to stand there and wave at the thing and be like, hey, dude, don't run off, man. Right. I mean, what the hell? If you're going to kill me, the way I look at it is when it's your time to go, you're going to go. It doesn't matter if you're trying to install a window mount air conditioner and the thing falls out and brains you on the, part, on the ground with your feet or if you're crossing across. When it's your time to go, it's your time to go. Don't live life in fear. Don't live life blind. And don't be lied to your entire life i know that we've all been lied to for a majority of ours but you know what it's time to wake up and smell the coffee yeah you know to you know say some cliche little thing but it's the truth it is really is yeah i i agree with you on that so the second thing happened up off of almers uh, about eight months after the first one but i think it had actually then uh transitioned into 1993 by then uh I had an old 1972, like a olive green GMC truck, uh, and a friend of mine that we had gone to an ROP class together uh, down off of West Side Road, um, no East Side, down off of East Side Road, off of 273. <clears throat> we had an ROP class there together. We wanted to go up and camp overnight, so he goes, "Hey man, cool. I'm gonna bring a couple of friends." And I said, "All right, well I'll meet you guys up there." So. He's got an old, I think it was like a 65 uh, Comet, not a Comet, uh, maybe like a Cougar or something like that. Really nice classic car. It was a teal green car. Perfect. Perfect. He meets me up there. So there's four of us up there. You know, we have a campfire. We're all standing around, you know, having a little something to eat. Finally, it's just, you know, hey, we start talking about going to bed. And, uh, so we're all uh, hanging out in the back of my truck. Now, there's no tailgate on it. Two of us are sitting on one side of the bed, and two of us are sitting on the other side of the bed. And all of a sudden, a rock like the size of a basketball, our cars are both parked side by side with enough room between them for his door on the passenger side to fully open and my door on the driver's side to fully open just have enough room for a person to walk between both fully opened doors so the cars aren't that far apart so we're sitting there we're all in the back of my truck and all of a sudden a rock the size of a basketball flies completely horizontally between both of the cars about 14 feet off of the ground and this thing's clipping branches and stuff as it goes flying through and dude, when that happened, the I, and I can't remember these other three kids that came out names for the life of me. It's just been too many years. They, the kid that drove out there, dude, you could not blink an eye. This kid did a backwards freaking somersault off the side of the truck and was running to get in his car before you could even blink. And the other two kids followed him, and then I ran around, and got in my truck. 
nobody wanted to go anywhere. We wanted to still see what was going to happen. So, like I told you, these two cars, when we got there, both doors on the passenger side of his car and on the driver's side of my truck, we could fully open both of these doors. So it gets dark. Uh, one of the other kids that we had all been talking ended up coming over and sitting in the passenger seat of my truck with me. And then there was, so there's two guys, in, me and one guy in my truck and the other two guys in the car next to me. And we ended up just figuring, hey, we keep each other company. And if one of us fell asleep, the other one would wait and see what happened. And, and uh, we'd wake the other one up. Well, we all ended up falling asleep until we we're all woken up by the kid in the car honking his horn and just freaking out. And I, this was about 3, 3 o'clock, 3.30 in the morning. And something had bumped his car. So we all get out. And the whole passenger side quarter panel of this super cherry car of his is pushed in. But the funny thing is, is before we got out of the car, we couldn't get out of the car. The guy on the passenger side of his car and myself couldn't get out of the car. A rock had been placed between his car and my truck right where the doors opened up that was probably about the size of a small chest freezer. And wow. I would say if you had to pick this rock up, it would be in the neighborhood of about a thousand pounds. Oh yeah. And it was big enough to where neither one of us could even open our door big enough to squeeze out of the cars. We had to crawl across the seats and get out. So when we looked at his car where it was all pushed in, there wasn't a scratch on it. Whatever made that dent had to be soft because we speculated, did what how in the fuck did this rock get here? What the hell's going on? How in the hell did your car get dented? Well, the rock did it. Well, if the rock did it, the car would have there'd be paint on the rock, there'd be scratches on nothing. Nothing. We all start to freak out at this point. We run back around, get in the cars, fire them up, we start leaving. As we're leaving, peeling out and getting out of there we hear this gigantic roar and his car gets pushed again off the side of the road he spins out hits another tree we end up getting him out and we left and we never went back i after that happened none of those three guys would ever even talk to me again that is a powerful experience. I mean, I, I I hear that a lot where like after something like this, then then everybody involved doesn't speak again. It's like it's too much. Never, I mean, they wouldn't even when I seen this kid in class again, dude, he like got pissed when I went up to be like, dude, what did you think of that? I mean, he just would not. And it's like I didn't mean for that. I didn't ask for this to happen. And I, I, part of me thinks that because it was my idea to go there, that him and the other two guys thought that I had something to do with this. Man, you had had, if, if anybody who has never had something like this happen to them, you would never in a million years ask for something like this to happen to you. Because it makes you question everything that's been taught to you your entire life. It completely fucks your reality to a point of you don't know what to believe anymore 
you would you would never ask for any of this to happen to you ever right plus i don't i don't see how something like that could be coordinated like would they be assuming that you were in cahoots with another person because a a person even two even two or three people couldn't move a rock that size and and to to put them i know i being i've done i i i am part of the ibew local 1245 out of vacaville california which is the international brotherhood of electrical workers and for years i worked for a company that subcontracted for G&E, and we did all of the off-road power line maintenance road maintenance. So when you've got when you look out to the forest and you see these power lines that just go 100 miles across the forest, every one of those every mile of power lines that's out there, there are maintenance roads to go to those towers to to work on. Them. And after every season, when the when the rains and the snow just destroyed these roads. There are just crews and crews and crews all over all over the United States, really, that go and maintain these roads. They they do uh, brush control. They regrade the roads. All of this, and I did that for years. And you know, I like I said, man, I have spent I I can't even begin to tell you how many hours out in the woods in my life. But it's been a very major and significant portion of my life. And you know, I'm talking when we when we would do the 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 power line roads, we worked a 40 hour week, which is four tens, but you only end up working <laughs> by the time you get all the way out there, we would drive four hours in one direction out dirt roads. And we're driving trucks that, that these contractors replace every year. So we're driving down these dirt roads at 40 miles an hour, man, just hauling ass to get out there. So when I say we're driving four hours down a dirt road, I don't mean like, some guy that just bought himself a new Subaru Crosstrek and he's playing Joe Overlander driving four hours out in the woods at 10 miles an hour. No, I'm talking, we're blasting down these roads for four hours to get way out there. And out there we've had shit fuck with our equipment. I mean, and nobody's out there. Nobody even knows you're out there. We've had shit take like just completely mangled equipment that men, grown-ass men, could never even bend some of the metal railings and stuff that we've had bent on our bulldozers and our, our skid steers and stuff that we've, but we've left out there. That I'll, I'll get into that later. That that gets off on a whole other ball of wax. But so, you know, that goes over the second experience that I had with those guys. I just want to I just want a little cl- uh, quick clarification uh, before we move on to the next thing um, with the the first rock the first basketball sized rock um, I just want to I just want to be a little clearer on what happened with this rock the only thing that happened is that we had no no none of us noticed where it came from and it literally kept going just out of sight. Right. So, so was it, was it like, you know, there was a lot of power behind it? Like, you know, it had been launched out of a cannon, something like that? Yeah, but not like it had its own propulsion. So I don't want to say it was like some orb or something like that, because we have, we eventually heard this thing. We're in a pretty thickly wooded area. So just because it went out of sight, we did hear it run out of steam and kind of go thud. But it went by us with such a substantial trajectory that when it was equal, when it was next to us, it was at its apex, I guess, of, of 
rust that it had. And it went a great deal more, I, I would say a couple of hundred feet farther, but it was not only getting dark enough, but densely wooded enough that we could no longer physically see it. But like I said, we did hear it run out of steam and hit the ground. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I thought. Thank you for, for clarifying that. Yeah, man, the, the, the strength to do that, that is just, un- I can't even imagine. Yeah. It's unfathomable. You know, I've carried enough hundred pound sacks of concrete to know that that rock had to be in excess of a hundred pounds. And to be able to throw something like that, because we did see it whiz by us, and there was about a 50-foot section of clearing that if we would have noticed it, we could have seen it for about 50 feet before it was parallel with us. And the point I'm trying to make by saying that is not only would we have been able to see it, but since it was clear, there was nothing for it to hit, so it wouldn't have made any noise. But it was going through with such force that anything that was hanging down out of the trees or dangling in its way, this thing just pulverized and just kept right on going. It didn't, nothing slowed this thing down. It had some force behind it. Wow. <laughs> if it would have hit one of us or if it would have even hit our vehicle, it would have just destroyed it. Oh, yeah. Which brings up another question I have. Of, it almost makes me think that... These Sabe or these Sasquatch that do this, they're not adult Sasquatch. These are juveniles. These are like, you know, these are like a 15 or 16-year-old male Sasquatch that's feeling full of himself out trying to act with a couple of humans and get himself a good chuckle. That, to me, is what it seems like is going on with this. Hmm. Because these things outclass us. I've seen these things running. And when these things run... They are the most unhumanly looking thing. And one stride, I've seen these things run across I-5. And I mean, they run across I-5, all four lanes of I-5 by where the trestle bridge is, right before you get to Westlake Boulevard and Weed, or in Mount Shasta, where the trestle bridge is at. I've seen them run across that section of highway in like five steps. Oh, my gosh. They have this rhythmic oscillating glide to them that looks absolutely effortless. And it is the most off-putting thing to see. So the point I'm trying to say is if these fucking things wanted to kill you, you don't stand a chance. I don't care how big your gun is. I don't care how big your balls are. They outclass us by so much. It is ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's hard for uh, the human brain just and until can't even comprehend it. Right, it's just uncomprehendable. The one that I've seen run across the highway that happened back in like I want to say 2018. I was driving my truck. I was driving up, coming up through Mount Chassis, five thirty, six o'clock in the afternoon in the middle of August, broad daylight. The other truck driver next to me that's seen it happen too, and this thing ran across the highway, and there was cars coming both ways. This thing gave no fucks it didn't look one way or the other and it ran between 15 cars going across by five so fast you'd choke on your own fucking spit wow (laughs) it didn't look one way or the other not for shit and it was gone so fast you couldn't even imagine it me and this other truck driver but there's nowhere to pull over right there for big trucks and plus you're going up the hill so you're 
you're trying to keep all your momentum you got, man. You're not trying to run out of steam going up that hill. It'll take forever to get going again. But me and this other truck driver, man, and I didn't have a CB in the truck I was driving at the time, so we couldn't talk to each other. But, man, him and I both looked at each other like, what the fuck was that? Dude, this thing was eight and a half, nine feet tall and just hauling serious ass. And if you've ever driven through that area, it came from the east going to the west. I was heading northbound. That terrain that comes down through there, for that thing to cross the highway as fast as it did, had to be running 65, 70 fucking miles an hour. Like, I, just so fast you can't even believe it. Oh, but yeah. The terrain, it had, the terrain that it had to come down and maintain that momentum to cross the highway with that speed. If you had to run from one of these things in the woods, good luck. Just stop. Why waste your time, man? These things are so fast. It is just fucking crazy, man. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that crossing right there, and I'm very glad you mentioned this, uh, this actually has to do with an important theory of mine that I'm trying to flesh out uh, in terms There's of... There's a portal right there. There has to be. Hmm. Well, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But There's too many people that say they see these things and then they just disappear. Where do they disappear to? Well, the part that I know is that I know that they crossed the five in that general area. And as a matter of fact, a few months ago, I was driving down the five uh, right next to Black Butte, not far from, from yeah, the, yeah. yeah, not far from the area you mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, there was a truck driver next to me, and he suddenly starts he suddenly starts blaring his horn, like blaring. Yeah. And and then as soon as I as soon as I get get up to where he is like he's he's got this amazed look on his face and he starts yeah. and he's pointing like 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 emphatically ooh, ooh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right been right there done that dude been there done that i completely feel you yeah yeah i I didn't see what he saw, unfortunately, but I've, I really, it, it's something that's stuck in my mind. And I, you know, I think he may have seen something very remarkable and I, I, I really yeah. wish I knew, I w really wish I knew how to contact the guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but they do, I, I am familiar uh, with other reports where, where people have quite often mentioned them crossing the five right in that general area. Oh Yeah. Yeah, and another another crazy area is you go up 97 right out of Weed, where it starts, you go up through doors, you get into Chamolt. As soon as you get up into Chamolt, Oregon, uh, dude, I, I have heard vocals up there. There's a rest area on the right-hand side, if you're heading north of Highway 97, about eight miles before you get into Chamolt, Oregon, that you can go there on pretty much any night of the week, and you're going to hear something. Hmm. Well, that is good it's, to it's, know. It's it's off. It is off the hook up there, and I mean, they'll you'll hear vocals up there that last for twenty or thirty seconds in one breath. Wow! These things have to have lungs the size of fifty-five gallon drums. There is nothing animal or human. I don't care who you are or what kind of credentials you have. You're not going to convince me that there is any human that can make a sound like that. Yeah. Or or animal. I've heard bears. When I lived, I when I was living up in Forest Ranch, I lived way out, way out in the middle of nowhere, and there was a I was living in an old fifth wheel up there, and uh, there was a big oak tree over the top of this fifth wheel. Man, this tree was healthy as shit. I mean, there was not the the cambium on the tree was perfect. It was healthy. There was no rot in it. Nothing. I'm asleep about three o'clock in the morning one night, about a 
12 inch diameter branch calves off the side of this tree and lands directly on top of my trailer, crushing the entire thing down about eight inches over from where I was sleeping in my bed up in the overhead part goes up into the back of the truck. Uh, oh, that's where the bed was, was up on the front of the trailer. But the whole bathroom area, kitchen area, the whole back of it, everything was just completely crushed down. And the property owner, myself, the neighbors, none of us could figure out for the life of us how that happened to that tree. And that 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 kind of startled me a little bit because I was like, hey, man, y'all ain't got to target me like this. You know, I mean, when I go out in the woods, I I literally out loud say, hey, I know you're watching me. I know you've been watching me since I freaking left my front door. I'm not going to bother you. I don't want nothing to do with you. Please just give me the same. I'm not going to leave any trash in your home. I, you know, I, I give them the respect. Hey, I, I figure this is your home. You know, that's why sometimes I don't really take personal offense to people going up and knocking on trees and stuff like that. Because I look at it like, hey, you know, if I was sleeping or if I was in my kitchen making dinner or whatever, or if my kids were outside playing and somebody just went up to the edge of my driveway and started banging on my fence, I'd be pretty pissed off. And that's the way I look at it sometimes when people go up and start banging around and stuff, and then they have negative contact with these beings. Now, I'm not trying to paint that with a super broad brush because I know some people go up there and do that. They make announcements of, hey, we just want to meet you. We just want to know who you are. And I believe that these things are empathic. I believe that they can sense everything. I, I not to sound like a nut, but I think they actually have quite a bit of mind speak going on. I've been out in the woods and I have had like these these just strong, strong, full sentences that you hear, but you don't hear them. And there ain't nothing else out there. Nobody else out there. Where's it coming from? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm familiar with these experiences as well. I've talked to a lot of people who have had them. I have had some pretty, I, I don't know if I've had mind speak, but I have had some pretty exotic type experiences myself. So it, it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a thing. It, it seems to be a real thing. And in, in all of this, it's, it's one part of this huge mystery. Yeah. 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 So, uh, to, to return to our chronology, uh, what, what comes after the, the second encounter, the, ex the second experience that you described? Okay. So let's see, that would be the third would be going up into, uh, right out of Chico, California. So you go up, uh, it's a road called honey run road and it goes up towards paradise up the honey run Canyon. You go up through Helltown, and everybody goes tubing up there. Uh, there's an old powerhouse up there on the left-hand side when you get up past the covered way up past the covered bridge, but not quite to Helltown. Um, there's like a, I want to say it was like an old PG&E substation. It's like an old concrete building. So anyways, you hike down in there and man, there was just a beautiful swimming hole down there in the creek. People used to go there all the time. Well, directly across that swimming hole was a pretty significantly steep, not really a mountain, but a real steep hill. You, you couldn't have hiked up it. There was no way you could hike up it. It was just super thick trees and stuff like that. Well, me and a buddy of mine, Whitney, it's a, I know it's a, a 
typically a, a female name, but it was a, a dude, buddy of mine worked for Cal Fire, real straight, straight laced guy, man. Uh, we're up there swimming one day and dude, if I, I don't know what it is about the basketball size rocks, but we're, uh, we're down there swimming and we hear this thing just flying through the trees, like snap, 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 snap. And I mean, we both whipped around and looked up and see this thing flying straight down at us and it lands right in the water and it made a huge just per thud. And then another one, boom, coming straight down after it. And another one, boom, coming straight down after it. Three of them, boom, boom, boom. And I, I looked at Whitney and I was like, dude, I don't know what the fuck through those things, but there ain't no way I could even climb up that stuff to even get up there. And even if I could get up there, I'd have to be 12 feet tall to throw something that size. So whatever's throwing those down the mountain at us, I don't want to meet it. And we ended up leaving and just we jammed up out of there and got out of there. But there, that time we didn't hear any vocals. We didn't hear nothing. But these things flew down the side of the mountain. And again, they were probably 12 feet off the ground when they were flying. And they had enough trajectory that if branches or limbs or anything got in their way, it didn't slow them down for nothing. They hit that water so freaking hard that it was just insane. And I've had other rocks thrown at me. Uh, another time we were swimming uh, in Butte Creek, but just right out of Chico, uh, about two miles. We were on the right side of the road where, where Butte Creek comes down right there. And we had, there used to be a spot where you could kind of, you weren't supposed to, but if you had a good enough truck, you could kind of four-wheel back in there a little bit and get right up next to the creek. And me and my buddy Mike and both of our girlfriends at the time were down there swimming. And on the opposite side of the creek, now there are some people that kind of live uh, along the creek out in that area. The area that we were at, there is nobody on the south side of the creek. It's kind of just a real desolate area right there. But we're swimming in the creek, and something starts throwing not not basketball-sized rocks, but probably maybe mm, cantaloupe-sized rocks, or maybe a little bit smaller than that. Not quite at us, but in a very deep swimming hole, 25 feet above us or upstream from us in the creek. In succession, just kaboom, kaboom. And finally, all four of us turn around, and it's just not raining these rocks, but there's just several of these rocks getting thrown into this deep spot. A couple of them came closer to us and landed in the water, and then a couple more of them went farther up. And they were big enough rocks to where me nor my buddy Mike felt confident enough that we could throw one of those things 100 feet. And these things were freaking just lobbing over the, the embankment that was on the other side of the creek. Him and I climbed up the other side and looked down. Not a soul. Nobody over there. And if there was anybody over there, it was a clear enough spot that you would have seen them running off. They, they couldn't have just disappeared. There was nowhere to hide even if there was somebody over there. And... That was really, we ended up, again, we just packed up and ran and got out of there. Now, that area we did go back to. The powerhouse up towards Helltown, I never went swimming there again. That was a, that was a little bit weird enough to where it's like, okay, hey, cool, man. 
you don't want me here that bad i get it i get it you know don't kill me that's all i'm asking you know you hit me in the head with one of those basketball sized rocks i'm done so then going i would say now both of those happened 2005 2006 so now fast forward to about 2010 i'm living in forest branch again now i had just moved back from arizona i moved to arizona for a couple of years went and lived right over by um uh flagstaff and then came over and lived in lake havasu for a year and just got tired of the heat couldn't handle 128 degrees anymore so i moved back to cali and moved to Forest Ranch again and was living up off of Fitzgerald Drive, uh, right up to Highway 32, just right out of the little town of Forest Ranch here, just past the store on the right-hand side. And uh, living up there, I had a Harley at the time, and I'm riding up, and my wife and I, my wife at the time was on the back, and we are coming up Highway 32, and when you leave Chico, you come straight up Highway 32, and there's an old frontage road that parallels Highway 32. It's called Humboldt Road. Now they have that road gated off. But that road, you used to be able to drive on it. People used to go back in there and try and do, like, go four-wheeling and stuff and, and uh, things like that. And we're running up the hill on the Harley. And I was had I had my, my basically the valve covers. They call them the rocker boxes. But the valve covers on the Harley had been leaking for a couple of months. And at the time, I worked for Hall's Harley-Davidson in Chico. But I didn't have the time to work on my own bike. So I just keep dumping oil into this thing, dumping oil into this thing, until I have time to, to redo the rocker box caskets. Well, we're running up the hill. It's about 11 o'clock at night. I cannot remember what day of the week this is. But uh, like I said, it's about 11 o'clock at night. It's just about October, just getting into fall. And the bike starts lagging down, like it's it's shutting down because it's running out of oil. So we just get to the top of the hill where uh, Humboldt Road meets Highway 32 at the top right here. And I pull off and make a right-hand turn and pull off down onto the top of Humboldt Road right here. And I had a little flashlight in my pocket. I gave that to her, and I'm trying to get my saddlebags open to get the, the I had a couple of quarts of oil in there. No sooner did I get the one buckle loose on my saddlebag and we hear two things walking about 100 feet away from us to the north from where we were at. And all of a sudden we hear not only these two things walking. Now, at this point, I couldn't tell if it was a couple of bear, what, but it was two really heavy things. Now. There are cows up there. I'm just on the other side of the Humboldt Road up there. There was an old rancher up there that had, had a couple of herd of cattle up there, here and there. And every once in a while, one of them would get on the other side of the rock retaining wall that was built, you know, 100 years ago and, and start walking around. And it sounded about that heavy. So at first, I thought maybe a couple of cows got loose. And then all of a sudden, I tell my wife, you know, she's shining the flashlight down on me. Then all of a sudden, you hear the sound of a deer, like, screaming, like, yeah, like, just a really a blood-curdling sound. And these two things that were walking around start 
like rustling around. And all of a sudden, her and I kind of freak out and stand up. Well, what the hell's going on here? Well, the two things that were walking around and rustling around, what I kind of put together was that these two beings had caught a deer. One of them had the deer. And what I think had happened, because this deer started screaming really, really bad. And then it just made this crunching, cracking, and like this liquid, terrible sound. Like it just had gotten twisted in half. Oh my gosh. At this point, my wife is just freaking out. I mean, it literally sounds like something just guts and all just gets ripped in half. Now these things were rustling around and, and kind of coming towards us. By the time this thing gets ripped in half, it's about 50 feet away from us to the north of us. Literally when we, came up and pulled off on Humboldt Road, we pulled off on the right-hand side of the road. This, these two things were just literally on the other side of Humboldt Road from us in the little ditch down there in, in all the real high star thistle right there. And these things were moving through this star thistle like it wasn't even there. And now as they're getting closer, these aren't things that are on four feet. These are a couple of really big things that are on two feet. And then you hear this thud, thud, which we then came to the realization the thud, thud was whatever this thing was behind us that had walked across the pavement on the road. Now there's one on one side of us ripping this deer apart, and another one gets on the other side of us, in my opinion, sizing us up. And she's, my wife is completely just beside herself, screaming and crying, we're going to die, we're going to die. I said, whatever you do, don't put that flashlight down. Keep walking, spinning in circles. Just keep spinning in circles. I'm trying to blindly pour the rest of this oil into this bike to be able to start it back up again. Harley Davidson's have a, a low oil sensor shut off. That when they get down so low, the oil the engine just shuts off. And that is what had happened to us. We weren't starting that bike again until I put oil back in it. And I'm trying to do it with no light because whatever's ripping this animal apart these two things have now separated the other one's ripping the deer apart and the other one's walking behind us and now we are between one thing and the other one getting ready to be objects number two and three getting ripped in half and that is the most terrifying experience that i have had i we both of us literally felt like we were going to get we, we were on something's lunch list. I managed to get the oil poured in the bike, and I fired that thing up, and I had a set of Screaming Eagle. No, I had uh, a set of Vance and Hines pipes on that thing, and it was loud, man. And when that thing popped up and, and fired up, this thing, which was now about nine feet behind us, made one leap down into the ditch and made this thud that we felt in the ground. And we hopped on that bike and hauled ass uh, north up Highway 32 towards Forest Ranch and got out of there and got home. And, and that uh, experience made it to where my wife would never ride on the back of, a, of anything again in the dark. That one, was, that one was really felt like a really, really close call, man. And that one really made me think, you know, uh, 
because I've never had, I've had experiences with Sabe that may have been mischievous, but never felt malevolent. This thing that happened up on Highway 32 going up to Forest Ranch, I mean, you could literally still see the traffic signal at the bottom of Highway 32 and Bruce Road mm-hmm. from where we were at. We weren't that far out of town, man. Yeah. And I know I know that these, whatever these were, were not mountain lions. That's incredible. Yeah, I know the spot you're talking about. It's it's really not too far removed from civilization. It's uh Absolutely not. Now they're building houses and stuff there like crazy. They are. Oh, they are building all kinds of stuff there right now. And uh but Yeah. Yeah, that's that's actually uh the road that goes out to Susanville. Uh it, it takes you out to Susan. Right, right. Yep, yep. Wow. So I used to live when you, you know, where that is at right there. If you were to basically go from there or even if you go up Honey Run Road, Doe Mill Road from Paradise. Now, you say you're from Paradise. Well, if you go all the way up through Paradise and uh, go up into DeSopla, you know, you, Doe Mill Road comes out right there, basically. And you can go from Paradise through the canyon and over to Forest Ranch. They've even redone that whole bridge back there and everything. Mm-hmm. So when you wrap around, Gar- is it not Garland? Uh, it ends up going around to Doe Mill Road. Well, I used to live on the tip of Doe Mill Road up on that peak, and that that is way out in the middle of that forest out there. And it's it's pretty remote uh, out there. I lived out there for years, and and uh, talked to a couple of people out there that swear to God, and you won't you won't beat it out of them. Swear to God, they've got ring-tailed cats that they have spotted out in the trees way out there and uh, i go oh you're full of crap i go no you, you you're not going to tell me i haven't go after yourself i've seen two ring-tailed cats over in that tree right here i go no shit they're not even supposed to be in this area and they go yeah well there's some pretty wild places out here you know that, that people just cannot get to you know there absolutely if you are of, if, if you think of all the forest land that we have that we literally don't have access to. And people want to talk about, well, why can't they just fly around? And, and well, for one, helicopters don't really have the ability to stay in the air that long. They've got about three or four hours max. You fly two hours out, two hours back. Well, when you're talking dense forest, whether you're in the Siskiyou Forest, whether you're in the, the Trinity Forest, Sierra Nevadas, I don't care. You go a couple hours out, whether you're in a helicopter or not, and unless you have an absolutely designated flight plan of where you're looking, man, you could fly around for freaking eons, and these things can hide from you and just sit there laughing at you. You ain't never going to see nothing. So for all of the non-believers that say, oh, well, I've never seen one. Okay, well, fine. You ever seen a million bucks? Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, you make a good point about that. Like we, people just we, we kind of live within this construct, you know, that that has been created by uh, we, there. there is a status quo that we're supposed to just buy into. And and right. we've built it, you know, little by little. And you're right. I mean, helicopters can't just fly forever. And, and we, we haven't seen everything that we think we've seen. We don't have everything figured out that we think we have figured out. Um, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and it, it doesn't surprise me at all to hear that there are ring-tailed cats out there. And I do want to point out to the listeners that uh, that, that that whole area you're describing is known for intense Sasquatch activity, all the way from Lake Oroville to Paradise to the to the canyon in between Paradise and Forest Ranch to Forest Ranch and, and all the way to the area that you're describing on Humboldt Road. And- oh, all, up, all up through Forbes Town. My whole PG&E area was the Highway 70 Canyon, the Feather River Canyon. Right. And I've spent countless hours out there. Oh, I got some doozy stories, too, for that place. But, you know, maybe another time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I bet. You know... We're we're actually approaching the bottom of the show, so um, yep. I'm thinking I'm thinking we need to do a part two to this, and uh, so why don't we get get into whatever you're about to to talk about, and then maybe like a a, a visual, like a a memorable visual sighting, uh, whatever you want to do in the last few minutes. I guess my my most memorable visual sighting would be my last sighting, which would have been in 2018, 2019. Uh, of seeing that what I feel was a juvenile Sasquatch running across I-5. That, for me, was just hands down. I mean, seeing is believing. But even when I saw it, I was afraid to even tell my wife, you know, because it's like you just don't believe it. You just don't believe it. And, you know, I've gone back to Whiskeytown Lake and gone back to that exact area and I can take you there right now. I can take you there tomorrow and show you trees 20 feet up that are 11, 12, 13, 14 inches in diameter that are just snapped off, clean off like a toothpick. And the whole top of this tree is literally nowhere to be found. There's not a drag mark anywhere. There ain't nothing. It's just gone. So when I say I seen something run across the highway, which I I know beyond a shadow of a doubt was a Savvy or a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot, whatever you want to call them. I think I would respectfully not want to call them a Bigfoot because to me that just seems so cartoonized. But either a Sasquatch or a Savvy, I, I think they're just an ancient race of people. Whether they're a human race or not, I don't think they are. But uh, I, I do feel that they definitely, definitely do deserve our respect. And uh, when I saw that one run across the highway, I'm pretty certain, even at eight and a half to nine feet tall, that it was a youngster. Because the tree breaks I've seen, which I think are from these beings, would have to make the ones that broke these trees in excess of 12 to 13 feet, which I don't doubt one bit by the size of some of these rocks that I've had thrown and placed in my vicinity. Yeah. Uh, a, a friend and fellow researcher of mine who's been on this show before, Larry Pine, he found uh, a trackway in the snow w- the, yeah. and the, the, the prints were 23, I think there were 23 or 24 inches. And, uh, yeah. and the stride between each footstep was, was the, Seven, eight well, yeah, it was the equivalent of him ch- taking five jogging steps is the way. Yeah, he, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, a lot of people would say they're supposedly not, a lot of researchers would say they're not supposed to get that big. But, I mean, to my thinking. But how I, do they know? Right. These are researchers that have probably never even seen one. 
Right. Well, it, they, they may have it at, at sometimes, but they're, they're supposed to max out, according to the thinking of some, at maybe around 11 feet. Uh, but uh, a trackway like that puts an individual conservatively like 12 feet tall and perhaps all the way up to 14 feet tall. And that, yeah. that's, that's just, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm six feet tall, so I would come about to his groin, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's just excitedly terrifying. I would love to be out there and have one of these things stand at a hundred yards and just to be able to wave at him because I think they can sense our intentions. And I think that plays a lot in, I, you know, I can't even begin to tell you how many bear encounters I have had and how many bears I have physically. I have physically kicked bears in the head. I, I, I kid you not. I mean, I have had more bear encounters than most people. And I can tell you one thing that you better not ever let happen when you're encountering a bear. You have two things in you, fight or flight. And if any part of that flight enters your existence, when you're in the vicinity of a bear, you're fucking lunch. They sense it, they smell it, they taste it, they feel it like you've shaken somebody's hand. I know this. These beings are that personified times a million. These things are perceptive, they're intelligent, they're all of that. And I think they know what our intentions are when we're leaving our house. So... Buyer beware. When you go out into the forest and you want to see these things, do it with a pure heart. Because I think if you go out there with the wrong intentions, these things have enough to them. They outclass us enough that it could end poorly. I absolutely agree with you in that. Um, yeah, it, it, One must have the right intentions when endeavoring to inquire into this um it's not something that that i really don't think everybody should just be going out into the woods on on their weekends you know trying to interact with these <laughs> beings I, yeah. I i think that's a terrible idea i think this yeah. i think this should be left to just a handful of individuals with the right intentions uh so, so please everyone don't don't go out into the woods you know looking for bigfoot on your on your days off um, but speaking of, of the, the bear, I, I want to, I want to point something out. You, 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 you led me to a thought that I really want to make known. Just yesterday, I was trying to film a bear in the woods and, uh, and, and, you know, cause the, the naysayers will say, well, we, we should have a picture of Sasquatch by now. We should have, you know, we should have really good video evidence. Well, I mean, this, this was just a bear. Okay. And, and there were three, yeah. there were three of us there. And this bear was not concerned about us at all. This bear was not trying to get away from us. He was just going nope. about trying to find grubs. And, uh, yep. yeah, he, 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 he was totally mellow. He, he was not at all spooked. And I still had quite a difficult time getting any, any image of him at all because he was just because he was moving and he was moving, you know, through the woods and, and, and the, yep. the, it just with the trees and the foliage, it just, and him moving, it made it very, yep. very difficult to get any kind of image of him whatsoever. So, yep. so, you know, you, you, you apply that to a Sasquatch, which, <laughs> yeah. which very much cares about you being there. 
and yes. and is thoroughly intelligent and very fast and very physically capable. Now, oh, now, yeah. the, now, I think we can begin to see just how difficult it is to get an image of a Precise. Sasquatch. They're not just Precise. sitting around, you know, waiting for you to take their picture. No, not at all. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you, you couldn't have said that better. Yeah, thank you. Could you could not have said that better. Uh, and, you know, just to back up, you're saying, you know, if people are interested in these things, that's fine. I, I encourage that wholeheartedly. But please, 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 please do it educated. Don't just go out there on a whim because that is the people that truly have the bad, bad experiences. And I, I don't really think these these beings are bad. I really don't. I think they've got a bad rap because people have gone about trying to experience them in the wrong way. And, you know, I've even had, from what I've told you, I've even had one experience that made me just feel terrified. It hasn't discouraged me from wanting to see anymore, but it was definitely a check and measure, a weight, a check and balance of, hey, these things are bad to the bone, man, and you need to respect them with everything. You know, I a lot of for a lot of years had a real feeling of of being ten feet tall and bulletproof out in the woods because of some of the experiences I've had with these bears and just ran them off. And you kind of start getting this feeling of like, eh, you know, I'm I'm king shit. No, not even close, man. You start to think that you're going to get your ass handed to you. Yeah, humility is uh, is a is a an important an important thing to take out there, and I'm very glad you said that. Um, yeah, we need to really know our place in, in in the woods. You know, I mean, we we given the lifestyle we've created for ourselves, we kind of think we're the center of the world. We're not. Right. We we, right. we we don't know everything that's going on, and we need to have a little bit of humility and uh, and you know really apply that when we go out into the woods and. Um, and you know humility and the good intentions that you mentioned, the, the the best intentions, a pure heart. These are very important things, and it's 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 not to be trifled with. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, we've got all the same stomping grounds: Chico Paradise, uh, Redding, Weed. You know, I've I've probably met you at some point. And, uh, Perhaps. yeah, well, six, I, six, six degrees of separation, but right. you know, I mean, it's a small world if you push, if you perspectify it. Right. Yeah. East, it's a big world, but we just, we occupy a very small chunk of it. So, yeah, that's true. Well, I, I have a feeling I'll be meeting you in person pretty soon. I, I look forward to that and, uh, we're going to have, thank you. And, and I, we're, we're going to have to do a, a part two of this. And, uh, Matthew, thank you so much for joining me today on type four, seven, one. I appreciate it. Good luck with all the endeavors out there, and 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 blessed be to everybody who is uh, is uh, wanting to experience this. I wish all the best and and good vibes for everybody. Awesome. All right, I second that. Thanks, Matthew. If you would like to be privy to the reckoning in consciousness that is Type Four Seven One, go immediately to your preferred podcast platform and follow the show. Rate Type 471. Give it as many or as few stars as you believe it deserves. Say your piece in the comments. And share Type 471 with other people. Like-minded people. People like you who can hear in my voice that I am deadly serious about delivering wondrous truths to you. So if you believe in what I'm attempting to do, make sure everybody knows just how you feel 
about type 471. Finally, to share your own extraordinary experiences with me, email me at type471podcast at gmail.com. I'm Sam Kitchen. Thanks for listening to Type 471, Northern California and Southern Oregon's preferred provider of homegrown unknown. You be well, dear listener. I will speak to you next week.